When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley. And with me today, it's a joy and a thrill, my friends Jason Roy and Ben Rupel. Oh, nice. <laughs> we needed one of those. Got the first one in. Yeah. How are you guys doing today? There it was. Oh, Jason's now joined us. I'm doing well. Okay, Big day. good. Every other week, uh, we'll bring you guys a new true crime podcast about people in and around the music industry and their misadventures into law-breaking. If you like music history, murder mystery, people with eccentricity, you are in the right place. Share with a friend, tell a relative right now. We are trying to get, I believe the map showed Alaska is blank. So if anyone knows anyone in Alaska, you got friends out there, send them your favorite episode. Tell them to check us out. That would be a super big help. Uh, to talk to us, let us know how you're doing, find us on all the social medias, or give us an email, feedback at crimeandmusic.com, or my favorite, send out a speak pipe. Go to our website, crimeandmusic.com, scroll down, hit the little button, there's a widget there, and you can uh, leave a message. You don't have to leave your name or email or anything, and that's how you can talk to us. So, I just want to leave a teaser, though, for our audience. Uh-oh. Brian, I mean, he pulled the curtain back for us a little bit. We have speak pipes for everyone at the end of the show, right? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, and I, that's like my second favorite part of the show. I see. Speak pipe. Speak pipe. Yeah. yeah. Is the feedback sound your favorite? Yeah. yeah. You know I like that. I don't know why you don't like it. <laughs> it okay. kills me. So, uh, Brian, go in. Uh, we, uh, we got three guys here, dude. Well, yeah, we do. Uh, right now, this is probably like a, a super event, uh, as they would call it nowadays. Three-way. But, or, yeah, you know, something uh, like that. I call it a three-way. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, anyway, right now, this is an, a rare event because we do have everybody on the Crime and Music crew here in one room at one time. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try and do a podcast with three people. It might. It Okay, it was it was a little dicey at the beginning. Oh, technical difficulties is the fourth <laughs> member of the room. I mean, that guy lives here. I'm collecting rent from him. I felt like Brian was on the resource center for AT&T for the oh. hour and a half. Oh, yeah, solid hour, hour 15, hour yeah. 30, something he like that. He called in the big guns. He had yeah, helping man. him out, taking control of his computer remotely. Yeah, we had the experts from Super Sci-Fi Party podcast trying to fix us up remotely. It's it's these damn microphones. And uh, I said we don't need them, but then you guys are like, it's a podcast. So, uh, yeah. I was so. just going to mime everything I had to say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to text We're, it. Full video. We're just switching to full video <laughs> at this point. All right. Well, uh, I will tell you, it's going to be a much better podcast this time around because it's an interesting story. This time, you're going to learn about hard work, church, and underappreciation. Yeah. Are those clues? Uh, I saw yeah, some clues. It's all about there. But uh, what do you guys know about uh, hard work? I avoid it at all costs. Yes, that will come back around. Uh, what do you know about church? Ooh, we're all. I like the boys. turning water into wine thing. <laughs> we we all grew up going to Catholic schools, correct? Yeah, I that's mean, correct. Jason, you were yep. Catholic school the whole time until college. I went to kindergarten Catholic school. Then we moved eighth grade Catholic school. Then on. Well, and none of us go to church. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I don't have Sorry. any. That's fine. I my mom goes. I she loves it. I so you're, 
What was your question, Brian? What You're not even about? an EC Christian, like Easter Christmas? No, I would not never go on Easter. That's the busiest yeah, one. That seems offensive. I don't want to go on a slow day, let alone <laughs> high traffic. I appreciate it. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I got people praying for me, so they tell me. So yeah. I feel like I'm covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> praying for you. I'm like, thank you. you I really covered? appreciate that. So that was number two of a th- what do we know two, about? And then underappreciation. Anybody here been underappreciated? Every day of my life. I've been married for like almost 20 years, Brian. <laughs> Where's my where's my button? Oh, see technical difficulties. Always. And now and now I have a, a teenage daughter that knows more than I do. Oh, She's almost do. sixteen. She knows everything. And you're underappreciated there as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. That's you guys are going to relate to today's subject. And speaking of today's uh, guest, we're going to go into guess the guest. My BP is just through the roof right now. You'll be fine. All right. Trust me. All right. This guy. Well, hold right on. Hold oh, on. It's a, it's a guy. Is it somebody we know? No. Uh, well, maybe. All right. <laughs> is it somebody that I know that he doesn't know, or is it somebody that he doesn't know that I know? That's a. We're going to determine that right now. All right. Uh, this guy was honored with a marker on the Mississippi Blues Trail. You guys, right. up on your blues? Muddy Waters. No. Honestly, you're close, though. Uh, he got a song in the Blues Hall of Fame. Huh? Uh-huh. That doesn't narrow it down not, to right. a, less than like a thousand people. He's in the <laughs> Library of Congress, which means we have tasty treats later. So many tasty treats? Ah, just one tasty treat. Oh, oh, you mean we can listen, listen to words? Yeah, so that also oh. tells you he's very old. John Coltrane. Ooh, oh, you guys are walking around it, man. Johnson. He was a major influence on Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters and Jack White. Lead Belly. He's the king of the Delta Blues. We already did Lead Belly. <laughs> Sorry. That was a rerun. Hey, Ben. Yeah. You ever heard of Edward House Jr.? Negative. Uh, that's right. It's Edward House. Sun House. You know Sun House? You oh, ever heard of that guy? Yeah, no. Sun House <laughs> Records? Well, yes, it is uh, what they're named after. It is, is it? Legendary blues musician Sun House, born March 21st, 1902, Edward James Sun House Jr. Because his dad was Edward James House Sr., so they called him Sun, and then there you go. Well, I think it okay. There's a plus to not knowing the subject at all for us. <laughs> okay, I get to learn something because usually, you know, when it's like Paul Abdul or something, I already know everything. <laughs> I know everything you're everything on those cards, Brian. I could just I could write. Oh, Brian popped the top. Oh, I got to get into it now with these guys. I got to catch <laughs> up. Yeah, guys, we're talking about Sunhouse Jr. He was born in the hamlet of Lyon, in north of Clarksdale, Mississippi, USA. You been down to Mississippi? Mm, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I go every year. <laughs> I really do. I got a, yeah, I got you a got house family. Oh, yeah, family. family. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, well, uh, we're going to call him Eddie. Eddie's got family, too. Like I said, his dad, Edward James House Sr., and his mom, Maggie House. And uh, he's the second of three brothers. They live in rural Mississippi, down there in the Delta. His father, Ed, was a musician. Uh, he played tuba in a band with his brothers, and sometimes he played a little guitar. He was a church member, but he was also a drinker. A ukulele? Uh, no, he, he played, said a, he much played a little guitar. Little, I see. That's great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, at well least he's played. not playing a banjo and a jazz. Yeah, I was going to say, not a jazz banjo guy. He's the uh, folk tuba player, so that's much better. <laughs> I'm going to wrap my mind around a tuba and the blues and the folk. It's just random. Play that country tuba. Cowboy. That's a great that's song. That's a great song. The tuba solo 
kicks ass. It dude. does. It's it rips. So it's a good. real song. Play that country tuba. You heard you that? Heard one? that? <laughs> no, okay, so. it, you want, it's homework, the, everybody. <laughs> okay, uh, Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Uh, what's it when? Devil went down to Georgia. No, yeah, Devil went out of Georgia. But what's the story? It's his song when he he goes into a bar. And he's telling the story about the guy stands up and, and he gets le- in a fight. Yeah, and he leaves like his ass was catching fire. That that line yeah. you're know talking about. Yeah. Give me two steps. Give me two steps. Exact, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, exact same premise. But the guy walks into a bar, a country bar, with a tuba, and the guys, pretty empowering guys, they come over, and uh, he doesn't know what to do, so they demand that he plays a country song, <laughs> and they have a. Badass tuba solo. In it, there. Is this a no? It's a real song. Well, who's play that country it has tuba cowboy? cowboy. Play that country tuba cowboy. Who's the artist? Play that country tuba. Play that country tuba. Play that country tuba cowboy. Now musicians' stories have been around. <laughs> yep. It's but the it's, Vandals it's are a punk band. Like who, is a punk band? Yeah, who, but they, you, who it, are they? They're the Vandals. The Vandals. Oh, okay. They're, that's yeah. what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Vandals. Okay. But they don't treat it like a novelty song. Like they actually approach it with, okay, like like the tuba solo. You can tell they put a lot of effort into it. Oh yeah, the yeah. Storytelling. Yeah, it's carrying awesome. the damn, is great. Carrying the damn thing through the door takes a lot of effort. He mentions that. Yeah. They're like, what's in the case? Yeah. You know? he calls like, it a trash can. Well, he's like, well, got me a tuba in here, fellas. <laughs> tuba. <laughs> and then at the end, the best part after the the, the the tuba solo, and then he wins the crowd over, and it's just like. I heard him holler, more man, more. <laughs> and he, he launched right back into the tuba yep. solo. Yep. He's somebody fires right out the door, too. He's like, I was out of there. Yeah. Like, All right. I guess I got to I have to pull that up in the YouTube on the way home. It's good. Play that country tuba. All you right. Bar- well, you can borrow my tape. He's playing the tuba. Uh, uh, but again, I told you he likes drinking, right? So drinking and tuba playing. So he leaves the church. This is uh, Eddie's dad. He leaves the church on account of his drinking. Uh, then he gives up alcohol, becomes a Baptist deacon. Okay. So he's done the railroad or the roller coaster of uh, religion and uh, how, devils how, and. How angels. old was he when he about? I, bl- I believe the man's about in his thirties when this is happening. Twenties, oh. er, late twenties, early thirties. All right, that's about the time you got to get your shit on track to be an adult and stuff, right? right? And so, a deacon. And he does. So he's got his uh, his young son, young Eddie, adopts the family commitment to religion, and he starts going to church all the time. Um, he also gets into the family love of music, but he's only singing right now. He doesn't have any interest in playing instruments, doesn't want to play the tuba. And so uh, he's real hostile also on the idea of blues, blues music, and religion going together. He doesn't think those things go together. Who, the father? Or? No, now we're on to Eddie, the son. Okay. <clears throat> he didn't He didn't think that blues and the church should be one together. Right. You like, sing church music, you sing blues music, but you don't do both. They're not cross-pollinating. In the, the same genres. place. Correct. So, with that, speaking of not cross-pollinating, his parents separate when he's about seven or eight years old. Uh, his mom takes him to Tallulah, Louisiana, across the Mississippi from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Tallulah. 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 Is it Tallulah? No, Tallulah. Tallulah. Yeah, yeah. Tallulah. Tallulah. That's a song, too. That's an old song. Uh, when he was there in his early teens, they moved to Algiers, New Orleans. So, now he's doing New Orleans. Recalling uh, the... Do you want to no. address no. New Orleans or technical <laughs> did, difficulties? Did you get another call, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I am no, a telemarketer on the side. You know when something in the room happens. It could be a fly. <laughs> I can't pay attention. And we just had a little beep on the – I know Brian can pull that out of the soundtrack here. It was the beep for like a it's swear a word. Beep. It right. startled yeah. Ben. Your face was <laughs> – <laughs> it took me out of the moment, man. Like, should Actually, I, should I be scared? He seemed pretty, <laughs> pretty concerned. <laughs> it's like when one dog gets weird, the other dog oh, gets oh, weird oh, too. Oh. <laughs> 
Everybody's all up on end. Hair's on their neck. What's going on? Right, a razor's right. edge over here. You got to reel us back in there, right? Tension. Okay, so basically, this kid's, he's, we're describing the, the life of a d- divorced child. I mean, he's, he's being carted around from city to city. He doesn't have a whole lot of stability. Uh, he's moving from Vicksburg, Mississippi to New Orleans. Um, he's talking about his hatred of blues, his passion of church going. He describes himself as churchy and churchified. He's seven. Well, yes, seven or eight. All right. Well, well he's got a lot of conviction for a kindergartner. That's where his social socialization's coming from, though. So that's like his whole world. Church. He's being programmed. <laughs> well, maybe. I believe what I've been programmed to believe. It's not like you're walking in there and like everybody's chanting all the same things and like all doing the same motions and stuff like that. I mean, that's not. That's church exactly. <laughs> Well, he likes it, so. At age 15, probably while living in Algiers, he begins preaching sermons, even. At 15? Yeah. He's been touched by the light. Could be. At the age of 19, while living in the Delta, he's touching something. He gets married to Carrie Martin. Have you seen the light? (laughs) Have you seen the light? That's a throwback to a Blues Brothers episode. That's true. Yeah. I love it. Uh, He gets married, so he's touched. I've never seen that movie. You've never seen the Blues Brothers? I'll see. I'll see you guys I've later. Go seen, ahead you've con- never seen Fight Club, dude. Just go ahead and true. continue this without me. I can't be in the same room with Jace anymore. <laughs> it's gonna be quiet because I'm gonna I, go with you. <laughs> I want to see it. I saw Blue Bro- uh, Blues Brothers 2000. Is that just no. as good? I'm just kidding. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> wow. I, I, it, it gets I to it. be a point where now I'm not gonna see it because of that reaction right there. Yeah, it's the same thing I do with Fight Club. Yeah. They go, you? Never seen Fight Club? You? I'm like, I'm no, I know it's the same guy. They're like, well, that's, that's not the point. It's a really good story about uh, capitalism. And blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I I'm going to clockwork orange your shit, and I'm going <laughs> to make you watch that movie. <laughs> just, Shots fired. Eyes wide open. <laughs> I'll just pry your eyes open with like those forceps they use for that dude. <laughs> Where's John Goodman? <laughs> All right, continue. Brian, make he one was of those, in a sequel. Get get one of those good little transition lines you like to use on yeah, this. Okay. Speaking uh, of John Goodman. Yeah. Speaking of being unhappily married, uh, Eddie here, he gets married to Carrie Martin. She's an older woman from New Orleans. Uh, he married her in church, and the family was not with the idea. They're like, Eddie, man, you could do so much better. How much old? Yeah, did, like age just the difference here? I, I do not have the exact age difference. I thought it was like about three or four years older from what I read. Oh, that's not that's not that much. So no. maybe she was ugly too. It could have been. Yeah. Never know. So yeah. she was anti church and he was pro church. Well, we haven't quite got there yet, but we're gonna. So first they move from uh they moved to her hometown of Centerville, Louisiana to help her father run his farm. So after a couple years of feeling used and disillusioned, Eddie's got a quote here. He says, quote I left her hanging at the gatepost with her father telling me to come back so we could plow some more. <laughs> what? Free labor, basically, is what it is. He married into a family, and the dad, the dad's like, hey, man, we got a strong-looking fella here. Let's go do some plowing and some farming. Uh, I'll Those not, are two I'll of make... the same things, right, sir? <laughs> yeah, <I> t- <laughs> if you want me to do some plowing, why don't you get out of here and leave me alone with your daughter? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 1922. Eddie's what? mother, what? <laughs> Eddie's mother dies. Well, you were thinking it. <laughs> So his mom dies? Afraid so. All right. In later years, she was still angry about his marriage to Carrie, and uh, it was said, quote, she wasn't nothing but one of them New Orleans whores. Who, the mom or the girl? No, him, the guy. Who's the whore? Eddie's first wife is apparently a New Orleans whore, according to Eddie. Can you say it like this? Say, whore. (laughs) (laughs) She She wasn't nothing but one of them New Orleans whores. 
Uh, speaking of resentment, Eddie's resentment of farming extended to many menial jobs he took as a young adult. He moved around frequently. One time he took off to East St. Louis to work in a steel plant. He wasn't really a big fan of that. One job he had uh, was in Louisiana horse ranch. And uh, later, he liked it so much, he would wear cowboy hats. When, well, we'll get to his future here uh, in the future. Well, hold on. He was in East St. Louis? Yes, that's correct. As we all know, that is the best St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you liked the other one better. Oh, no, East St. Louis is that's rough. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's on the uh, Illinois side. Interesting. Yeah. Not the arch. Not it's, it's before, if you're driving from the East Coast, it's what you have to go through before you get to the river slash arch. Slash Missouri slash the good St. Louis. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, I East remember. St. Louis. It's the joke. East St. Louis is the best St. Louis. Well, it's if you're, not. It's if you're not. from East St. Louis, let us know. Just like East Virginia is the best Virginia. <laughs> I like that. I got nothing for transferring from that. So uh, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't like working manual labor. He didn't like working manual labor. So uh, in his early 20s, he's accepted as a paid pastor in the First Baptist Church. And then the colored Methodist Episcopal Church. So he's like... Well, the colored, colored, that was, I guess it's back in the 20s, 30s. I was like, I did not write that. Speaking of things that are inappropriate, Eddie falls back into habits which conflict with his calling of preaching and pastoring. He's drinking like his father did, and he's also probably womanizing from what people have said. This led him to leave the church, uh, stop on his full-time commitment. Although he continued to preach sermons from time to time, he'd be like street preaching. Oh, so, or you guest preach, like, like you know. a soapbox, like a pod, like yelling at people on the street corners while they're waiting for the light to change. You see that he... guy that uh, he was down in, uh, my brother was telling me about it, uh, Mallory Square, and they've done it other places too. And the guys just want to, like, the who's the, the church? The guy that passed away, they would protest soldiers' funerals. Oh, that Getty, West Texas, West Te- whatever, Westboro Baptist Church. Westboro Baptist Church, Baptist yeah, church. yeah. yeah. So the guy's just spewing this hate speech like that, you know, just just homophobic, racist, all this just bad, bad stuff. And uh, the guy next to him is just standing there with a piece of cardboard sign and just says, fuck this guy with an arrow. Oh, right oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen a few of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those assholes came and um, protested or whatever you want to call it. This was a few years back. This, I think what you're talking about. Yeah, what was that? A friend of ours' husband got killed in Afghanistan or wherever. Yeah. He was, you know, a soldier got killed. It was terrible. Katie, I'm, I'm Katie, her name was Katie. Oh. And uh, they protested his funeral at, like, St. Robert's or something. That's a dick move, man. Yeah, and then the uh, biker dudes, all the uh, the Hell's Angel bikers, yes. whatever, yeah. the the Michigan one, came in and set up shop. And they're like, dude, you want to go? Yeah. Well, th- and those guys will go. And so yeah. they protected <laughs> the funeral, the, the, the biker gang protected the funeral. Um, from having to witness that that West Davidian branch, Westboro Baptist Church, right? Yeah, don't bring the Davidians. They start making bombs out of like manure and stuff. Oh, did you watch that? I think it's on Netflix. The uh, Waco series no. they did. 1927. At the age of 25, Eddie he goes a change of musical perspective. He's like, you know what? Blues might not be that bad, and religion might be a little controlling and restrictive. So. He's out there singing. He didn't even pick up a guitar until he was 25. I don't is know it, if I mentioned that. That was like the shift from like this very like, what was that? Is that shift coming, like the appreciation of the blues now? Is that because of everything that he's li- lived through up to this point? So now he's actually able oh. to see the value and the merit of it. So that I mean, that's yeah. why he kind of had it coming around. 
That's like that theory, like you're when you're young, you don't really appreciate like a power ballad because you never had your heart broken. Oh yeah. You're like, yeah, oh, you, I get it now. You like, finally got kicked in the nuts and you understand a little bit. Yeah, more. exactly. So I mm-hmm. apparently against all odds, Phil Collins. That's what I want to hear right now. <laughs> do you have troubles at home? Or no, I was just that was my go-to. <laughs> Well, Eddie's, his go-to wasn't the guitar, like I said. I don't know if you guys know this, but he's Tuba? known as a famous guitar player. That was his dad. And uh, he didn't pick up the guitar until he's 25. And to quote Eddie, he said, quote, I didn't like no guitar when I first heard it. Ah, gee. I couldn't even stand a guy playing a guitar. I didn't like none of it. So he didn't this like guy really hates guitars. <laughs> and people who play them. Very intolerant towards well, guitar players. So he picked up the guitar for the first time at 25. Yep. And... I don't have the whole stack of cards in front of me here, Brian. Oh, we'll get But there. I'm assuming he becomes good at the guitar. Very much so. That's impressive alone. To pick up an instrument that late in life and yeah. then oh, actually become yeah. good at it. Yeah. I pick, I tried to start playing in my te- like late teens, and I'm terrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, I think there's certain wires that you can't unwire or rewire by the time you become an adult or you know beyond your teenage years. So if you want to be a really good guitarist, you better start as a kid because once you oh, yeah. start setting those neural pathways in your head, yep, uh, it's hard to go back. Set your ways. Yeah, maybe he was a good guitarist for his day then. Maybe he was playing it secretly. Well, yeah, that's true. It's also uh, 1927, so yeah, they just invented it in like 1922. Yeah, right. right. How old is a guitar? Not yeah, be that old. Nah, <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Uh, so, well, basically, here's the thing. Uh, he was like, didn't love the guitar, but he started getting into it. But the, th- the simple fact was. Uh, he liked the guitar a lot more than he liked doing plantation labor, and so he also developed a taste for corn whiskey. So, <laughs> oh wow, pretty sure he's gonna steer away from the manual labor and kind of focus more on this guitar. So, after drunkenly launching into the blues at a house frolic in Lyon, Mississippi, one night, a house frolic—that's what it was listed as. What's it was a, house a house frolic? frolic? Yeah, right. I think it's a house party back then. I but... know, I know. Let's. Can we start every? I'm time? using that now. Yeah. Every time you say house party. Like, you know, playing at house parties on house the east side frolic. of Detroit. A house frolic. House frolic. All right. All right. All right. Put that down. Write that down. House frolic. Yes. One night, uh, he's at a house frolic, Lyon, Mississippi, and uh, picking up some coin for doing so. He may have been a preacher then, but right then the blues entered his life as like, dude, and I get paid for this? think I found a new calling. I have seen the light. <laughs> it all comes back around to the Blues Brothers. Always. I can't believe you haven't seen that. Just, it just. I honestly, I've never been a Belushi fan. Wow. I think it's that's okay. You can. Still but watch I understand the movie. that. I, yeah. I, 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 all right. Let's not. I mean, let's I can, not gang up on Jason for not seeing the Blues I, Brothers. Everybody. And not that I. I'm not going to say that he's not talented. I'm not going to say that he wasn't. You know, it just didn't appeal to me. The whole samurai thing on SNL. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I understand now where you're coming from. Yeah. But are you a fan of Ackroyd? Because that's some of Ackroyd's best work. Ackroyd's great. Yeah. Basomatic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His Julia Child was great. I don't know if I remember that. His Julia Child? Yeah. Yeah, like, she was just spoofing Julia Child, and he would uh, kind of constantly mix, uh, mix in alcohol in his degree. So, like, by the end of the skit, <laughs> he was just shit-faced, drunk. That's Julia Child. Hey, yeah. what were those? Uh, sidebar. Sidebar. <laughs> well, sorry. Love sorry. it. Called it. Three-way sidebar. Hey, Ooh. I didn't get to watch it, but did anybody watch? I've heard about it now. New Year's Eve. The I think it was CNN. Uh, what they do? No, it was Fox, wasn't it? And those uh, Anderson Cooper and somebody were getting drunk. Andy they just got, Cohen. They just got fucking wasted. Yeah, that's really. What I heard. <laughs> during the night, you know, leading, that's awesome. <laughs> leading up to the ball, you know, the the New Year's the midnight 
party time thing. Yeah. And at some point in the few hours, there were like shot glasses on the table. A friend of mine's telling me about this. I haven't seen it. I got to go watch it. But hearsay. A- as my buddy said, allegedly, Adam said, you know, when Mar- Mariah Carey comes out and gives an interview and she's the voice of reason. <laughs> oh, man. You're hammered, bro. <laughs> These two dudes. And I appreciate that. I That's what that I appreciate was, about uh, it. MTV, because I haven't watched MTV in years, but they would do. Uh, like their New Year's Eve special, and they'd always have like whatever band was on there, and they were in their like the TRL studio, and they just get shit faced drunk. And uh, Green Day was the uh, the band for that for that night. And then Billy Joe is up there, and it's just by himself. He's doing "Time of Your Life" from Nimrod, and he makes it about three quarters of the song, and then you know the guitar solo, and he just stops everything, and he just like, uh, dude, I'm so fucking wasted right now. <laughs> and it was he was fucked up. You could tell, and. Uh, Got a big cheer from the audience and finished oh, strong. That, that, I wish nice. I would have seen that scene, that Fox guys. I was flipping back and forth between uh, Carson Daly and uh, whatever the other one was. Fred uh, Durst? No. <laughs> roll and roll. What? Tara Reid? I would, I would flip back to Tara Reid. I like, I like Sharknado. I'm a big fan. No, Tara Reid dated Carson Daly, right? Well, I don't want to know about that if I'm trying to pick up Tara Reid. Uh, you could probably make that happen. Right? I, that's what I'm saying. And Jennifer Love Hewitt. And Britney Spears. Oh. Which apparently we Umbrella learned. Umbrella Britney Spears. <laughs> we just learned earlier here before the podcast started that Brian almost did Britney Spears. What was that the quote, Brian? Would you like to get into this? I almost did Britney Spears. This is exactly yeah. what I said. <laughs> just so everybody's clear, Brian did not almost do Britney Spears. I don't know what he's talking about. I was about. super close to doing Britney Spears, man. I'm I telling you. Think Kevin you... Federline could be listening right now, dude. I, again, You're a marked man. I, think... I don't think you've ever literally exactly been in the same state as Britney Spears. <laughs> state of mind or S- physical men- boundaries in the United States of America. Mental states. She's or... never even been close enough to where she could talk to you on the phone and there not be a time delay. My wife gets texts from uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, should I be concerned? No, dude, he's rich. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got good. a place in Long Lake too. Well, he used to. We'll go ice fishing. Uh, let's. All right. We'll meet Ashton Kutcher. That'd be awesome. We'll Maybe take him ice fishing. Kid Rock will stop by. Bruce Willis up. Where, 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 we went ice fishing. Me, you, and Scott. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, where was that? Was it uh, Long, Long Lake? Lake? No. Was that where you caught that yeah. really big fish? Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Willis goes fishing out there? Yeah. The whole family. Demi Moore. All the Willis. <laughs> what are you talking about? Willis's? They, they call it frolic fishing. <laughs> no, honestly. Fish God, frolic? Uh, when Ooh, Bruce podcast and, idea. Fish talk. Is it Demi or Dimmy? Is it Demi more or Demi? I've never heard of a semi trailer. It's a semi. It's a semi. Uh, no, they had a place up on Long Lake because somebody's daughter was going to the music camp up there. Interlocking. All Is right. it Kirsten or Kristen? Don? Kirst, Kirsten. I say Kirsten. Kirsten. I interchange them. Kirsten? Kristen? Kirsten. 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 Dunn. Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten. Kirsten. It's a French word for more uh, Kristen. All right. I believe you. All right. All right. Transition, Brian. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the French, um, uh-huh. they like the blues. Uh, Eddie here likes the blues. So he goes meet some drinking buddies. Turn out to be these guys, James McCoy, not the doctor from Star Trek, and uh, oh, Willie Wilson. And they're playing bottleneck guitar. Ben, tell us what bottleneck guitar is. Please. Willie Wilson? Is that the guy's really name? Yeah, man. All right. Uh, B- what, bottleneck guitar? Bottleneck guitar. Is that when you get the slide bar on your finger? Yes, but people don't know what that stuff is. It's it's a close rendition of 
way they play with a steel guitar, but yes. with a regular guitar. And a lot of times you'll pick up like a beer bottle and go. You're just holding down, down all yeah. the strings with the neck of the bottle. Or and these guys will make they make a little glass sleeve or metal sleeve you put on your finger, and so that way you can play your regular guitar, like Ben's saying, like a steel guitar. And it's uh, it's impressive when you see it. You see somebody pick up a beer bottle like you know, like this, and just start going up and down the neck of the guitar and they're playing but it's actually not hard to do at all <laughs> it it's a pretty easy you can almost do anything you want with your other hand and strumming and just like wring your other your 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 fret finger hand up and down the neck of the guitar and people think oh he's so talented wait so neat. so it's kristen or kirsten <laughs> love kristen okay uh much like jason eddie immediately changes his attitude about the blues so he buys a guitar from a musician called Frank Hoskins and within weeks starts playing out with Hoskins, James McCoy, and Willie Wilson. I like that name. I like Willie those names. Wilson. Aren't yeah. they cool names? They are some right. badass names, dude. You know, that's one of the things when Brian's reading things, Jason, I'm like listening to the names because I kind of want to try to remember them a little bit. Or, or are you even... coming up with an alias? Well, <laughs> some of these <laughs> names are great, and I love the names. And if you listen back to some, I'm sure, our old podcast. Like I like that name. Yeah. I like that name. Yeah, I like that name. I like I, a good name. I try to remember the name. I, I can't remember the names, but yeah, it's Willie true. Wilson. Willie Wilson. Well, two songs he learned from Willie Wilson would uh, become some of his best known songs. First one's called "My Black Mama" and "Preaching the Blues." Eddie developed some professional standards uh, in a blues style based on his religious singing and simple bottleneck guitar style. So he combines his upbringing with the church singing and uh, then gets into the steel bottleneck guitar plan, puts them together, creates a whole new sound no one's ever heard before. <laughs> You're going to love it, though. Your kids are going to love it. And they do. <laughs> they will get there. 1927 or 1928, because it's one of those type of stories. Uh, he's been playing in a juke joint in Lyon when a man came in Goes on a shooting spree. Starts shooting everybody. They did that back then? Yeah, man. It took a little longer because he had to like load the muskets and like, hold on. I've got to pack the wad here. He had to bring his best boy with him. to, You know, he hands a musket off to the kid behind him. (laughs) Pack that up. Give me another one. Squire. Squire. Sword. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no. This guy's just just jamming, playing his guitar, right? And singing (laughs) singing his blues. She's loving it. And then this guy comes in and starts shooting. Why? Do we know why? No, we don't know why. Never do. Eddie catches a bullet in the leg. Boom. Video games. He goes down. All the violent video games back then. Now, he's down, but he's not out, like in a video game. And like all musicians do, Eddie's packing heat, so he pulls out his pistol, shoots a man dead. Boom! One shot? Are you shitting me? No, it's a true story. So in the middle is... of the chaos, one shot. Yep. Well, that's real life. <laughs> I mean, you can kill somebody with one bullet. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, I mean... I'm going down with know. one shot, that's for sure. So so he he had his gun, he pulled it out, and he shot the guy. Like all good musicians, this he's is our got first a bit of crime. This in is, this, that's the one. All right, that's 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 a good way to start because it wasn't really kind of his fault. Murder and intrigue. That's all correct. Right. It wasn't his fault. But it's still 1927 or 1928. Eddie claims self-defense and he receives a 15-year sentence at Mississippi State Penitentiary, also known as Parkman Farm. All right, let's just back up a little bit. <laughs> yup. <laughs> just back up a little bit. <laughs> yup. Beep. Beep. What color was the guy he shot? <laughs> You know what? It's unspecified, but I think I know where you're going. <laughs> what color was Eddie? Eddie's an African-American man. Oh, he... so not much has changed. Yeah, so, so the cops come in. All right. That sucks. What happened? As they're handcuffing the black dude. <laughs> Tell us what went down. That guy shot that guy. Got it. All right, somebody's got to go to jail. <laughs> well, let's talk about the jail. It's a prison, actually. We're going to key in here on some expertise it's a uh, parchment oh, yeah. farms it's a maximum security prison farm located in unincorporated sunflower county mississippi and the mississippi delta region 
Uh, Parchman is uh, the only maximum security prison for men in the state of Mississippi, and it's the state's oldest prison. It's beds for uh, 4,840 inmates. Inmates work on the prison farm and the manufacturing workshops. It holds male offenders classified at all custody levels A, B, C, and D. What does that mean? A, B, C, or D, That's states vary, but it's basically the same thing. It's uh, security level. So whether it's A, B, C, or D, or level 1, 2, 3, or 4, ones are low-risk offenders. Four are the more dangerous ones. They get out maybe an hour a day. They take a shower once every two to three days. Ooh. All movement is monitored. They get escorted. Ooh. Um, you, yeah. You've just described my 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> he only goes outside for like not even one hour a day. <laughs> A shower maybe every shower. Uh, maybe a shower. <laughs> every, every we week. definitely have to monitor all of Wearing the same clothes for weeks on end. <laughs> it's my 10-year-old. Prisoner moving. <laughs> Coming down the stairs. Well, that's okay. So he's, I mean, this is, sounds pretty maximum. Like, this is not yeah. like little kid stuff. This is big boy shit. Yeah, but they can, the thing is, they can level up or they can level down too, so. Oh, so yeah. you can go from an it's A to a D? It's point system, yeah. And does D stand for dead? Death row? Uh, depends on. Well, we're not. We don't have the death penalty, so we don't. Well, this is also 1927 or 8. Oh, so oh okay. <laughs> in Mississippi, yeah, right. so yeah, they still. Have I gotta think that going squats. to a prison right. in Mississippi in 1927 was a fucking death penalty. I have right. Well, luckily, as we were talking about, he serves two years between 28 and 29. He, uh, they did a reexamination of his case because his family made a super huge appeal, but also um, there was this this white guy who was uh, one of the plantation owners came down. The family worked for the plantation. He's like, hey, man, that guy, he's a self-defense. Just let him go. And, you know, warden, warden, warden. Yeah, I was going to say, where's the warden, warden? But he he never plays the song for him, though. They don't know he's, like, a good musician yet. So he gets there pre-musician style. So he got out sort of legitimately. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was a a, a, – Sorry, Michelle. It was a legitimate shooting. Yeah, it probably shouldn't have been put away anyway. But, like you said, at the time with the sort of optics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. luckily, people got him out of there. They always released in 1929 or 1930 early. Uh, Eddie is strongly advised to leave Clarksdale and stay away. The judge actually exiled him from Clarksdale. He's like, if I ever see you back here, everybody gets one. That basically. would piss me off. So long, suck town. Yeah, that would right? piss me off if I was him. Oh, well, yeah. But well, I'd leave. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not, this is not where I'm going to make my, 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 Big stand. I'm gonna go away. Yeah, You're on the radar already. If it happens once, it's gonna happen again. And so. he's in what state? Mississippi. Mississippi. I, there's like 49 better states. <laughs> Shots sorry. fired in Mississippi. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like Mississippi. I've never actually been to Alaska Mississippi. being the best state. That's what they say. Why? Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. We need Alaska. Alaska's like, great. Kiss Alaska's ass when somebody listen in there. We do. Send your friends in Alaska our episodes, please. Well, uh, he gets kicked out of Clarksdale. He walks to Jonestown. He catches a train to a small town of Lula, Mississippi. Six- Jonestown? After that, what happened with the whole Kool-Aid? I know. It does say Jonestown. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, God. Don't, he didn't drink the Kool-Aid. And it wasn't Kool-Aid. Stepping over bodies when he gets there. <laughs> Kool-Aid took the hit, but I think it was called Flavor-Aid, actually. So, anyway. True crime stuff. Don't worry about it. He's 16 miles north of Clarksdale. He's eight miles from uh, the blues hub of Helena, Arkansas. <laughs> Stop it. There's only... Like three people on this earth that when you say Arkanaz, know what that means. I see. All right. And well, you, you got know, two of them in the room. <laughs> with that, uh, you know what? We're going to take a break for a second while I 
re- redo my thoughts of Arkansas. Oh, we're, you got the old, the old school, uh, the band still playing? Oh, it's always 21 days. <laughs> I love, I do, I listen to these, you know, later in a... <laughs> but it wasn't like it was off, it wasn't wrong, it was just the, the, the sound of the times. It was fun. It's true. It was fun. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. Any of those guys ever know that they're being played on the uh, internets here? Yeah, I have permission yeah. from the lead songwriter, uh, Paul <laughs> himself. Oh, he was he a was song- a songwriter. Yeah, he he wrote all of those songs oh, and surprise, sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote all of those songs on guitar and words. Huh, Paul did right? Yeah, yes. Isn't he your neighbor? <laughs> yeah, I see him all the time. There you go. Tell him you were listening to Twenty One Days today. He'll be like, "What? Yeah. He can put on a kid's birthday party." The likes of which have never been seen. Who? Paul? Paul. What's he do? He's like super dad. It's insane. Oh, I thought you meant like you hire him to come play Batman at no, your... He's not like some dad gigolo that comes in here. <laughs> no, I've Sorry, I've been Paul. to kids' birthday parties where um, they hire a Spider-Man and a, a Spider-Man guy will show up and <laughs> play with the kids. and a drunk him... uncle in a onesie. 100%. A silly string. 100%. There's something a little <laughs> scurvy about it. That's what I thought you were saying. Like, he can put on a great birthday party. Like you hire him out like Bozo the Clown. Or yeah, he comes in dressed like Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> It's a stretch, no, I, but he we, can do it. He invited us over to one of his kids' birthdays parties, and we went over there. Full taco bar. Oh, I was at that party. Yep. Bounce house, obstacle course. Yep. He's chaperoning the whole thing, cooking salmon for these people that like this. You can go like, fishing down at the river. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Was, it was everything. Ran into him two days later at the grocery store, buying ingredients at 8.30 in the morning with his kids to make homemade ice cream. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It helps the Lebowski thing. So <laughs> He's involved, man. Good for Paul. He's a good yeah, dude. Paul's a good guy. Good guy. Good guy, yeah. Paul. As we used to say, good man. Good man. Sweet. Just pointed at nothing. Yeah. Anyway, well, speaking about a uh, uh, jolly happy fella going around playing his guitar, Paul, uh, Eddie starts busking around Lula. So he tracks crowds at the cafe he plays at. He's uh, sparking the interest of local bootlegger, this lady, Sarah Knight. So Eddie strikes a deal with this night lady, and they both start profiting from this music and booze sort of setup. So. A boot, a, she's a bootlegger. She yep. illegal booze. Right. So if you go to one of Eddie's shows, that's where you pick up your hooch, okay. and then you stick around for the music. All right, hooch and cooch. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 19- Podcast ID number four. Nineteen thirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy Art Lalbelly, Lalea Lalbelly. Can we just call him Art Vandelay? Art Vandelay <laughs> of Paramount Records. He Art tra- Vandelay. He travels to uh, Lula. He's recording some other blues musicians, right? And then Eddie's just tanging along with these dudes at this session. They're like, hey, man, this dude wants to record us. You want to go along? And he's like, yeah, whatever, I'll go. So uh, Eddie ends up recording nine songs with the guy. Eight of them are released, but they were not well-received. They were all... The 30s, though. Yeah. I guess well-received, they're just going by record sales. Well, yeah, here's the thing. The record sales, well, they're considered commercial failures because of the record sales, but they were minimal because of the Depression. Ah. The 30s. Not yeah, buying a asterisk. lot of records. There's an Especially asterisk. blues albums in the Depression. <laughs> like, I really don't have money for this, and I really don't want to feel worse about myself. So uh, he doesn't record again commercially for 35 years. He's like, you know what? Didn't Damn. sell my records. Done. At least you finally got back on the it's horse. Like Guns and Roses. <laughs> 
He continues to play, though, like Guns N' Roses, and uh, he goes out with other musicians. Every once in a while, he sits in on a recording session, you know, just to keep up his chops. So 1934 rolls around. During this time, Eddie's working as a tractor driver on plantations. He's out in Lake Cormorant area, sort of, you know, big sky sort of area. Eddie gets married uh, again to a Robinsonville lady named Evie McGowan. Is that number two? I was just going to ask. That's correct. So we got two there. Write that down here so I can remember here. Keep track. It comes back. 1941, Alan Lomax records Eddie for the Library of Congress. You remember Alan Lomax from our Lead Belly episode? I know Bernie Lomax. Is he's the guy he that just went around like trying to record people for posterity's sake? Right. He yeah. wants to capture like all this southern blues music uh, and bring it back so people don't forget about it and stuff. Like he's from New York and white and Jewish and just went around the country trying to record people That's to great. get it to get it archived. Right. Him and his brother go around recording old music for the Library of Congress, like you said. So August 1941, Eddie makes some recordings for uh, the Lomax brothers uh, and Fisk University. If you want to check those out. They set up a clack store, Lake Cormorant, Mississippi. A what? A what? It, clack? A, a clacks. A clacks store. It's like what about a, a clickety? Well, it's like a 7-Eleven next to a railroad track, I guess. So. All right. Anyway. I play for 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> well, right next to the railroad track, you're getting off. You want like a Slurpee or whatever they had back in 1941, like a hot coffee. So you're busy twice a day? <laughs> <laughs> Trains aren't whizzing by when all day switching long. The track. It's just running by all the time at high-speed rail. Back in 41. So anyway, uh, he's, he, they set up in this uh, 7-Eleven store by the railroad track. So when you're listening to the recordings, you can hear railroad noises in the background. No some of the to- Some of the songs. So, But they had to because the store is the only place that had electricity, which is necessary for recording. So, All right. Yeah. There you go. July 17, 1942, Robinsonville, Mississippi again. Eddie records 12 songs, including the Low Down Dirty Dog Blues and I Told You Tasty Treats. So we're going to try and listen to the Low Down Dirty Dog Blues by Sunhouse right now. Some stones last night. It sounded like it did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Early super influenced. Right? Uh, this is five minutes, so we'll just keep this going in the background. But <laughs> feel free to That's cool. comment. Oh, a lot of, there's a lot of clickety clacking over there, Brian. That damn train. How old is he when he did this? Ish? Uh, I believe he's uh, 25-ish. Oh, he's 25. He sounds a lot older than that, doesn't he? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do it again. Let's see if it's 1941, and he was born in... Like 1902. 1902, so that puts him at, what, 38, 39? Yeah, okay, that's a little closer. There you go. Okay. Well, that was it, man. That's, uh... Well, oh, no, what no. do you mean that's it? That's the end of the cards? That's the <laughs> end. How'd <laughs> you guys like it? Well, cliffhanger. <laughs> 
made it into the Library of Congress, and we're done. So, yeah, and he got arrested one time. That was the crime part. That's yeah. pretty much. Uh, oh, that's the crime part. That's the, <laughs> oh, that is the crime part. <laughs> yeah, I shot a guy at a gig. That's what I had. Uh, he got shot in the leg, defended himself, imprisoned. went to jail for it. Right, wrongfully imprisoned, and that was his uh, his crime. But I had to talk about Sun House, man. He like Jason said, he's Sun like, House Records, the Sun House Records, Elvis. and like the guy who influenced all Julie of those Lewis. guys. This was never done before. I mean, this is the first guy to do it. Really? Well, wasn't Sun Records though? Wouldn't that was open to the public though? Couldn't you pay to record like Johnny Cash? You could pay. I'm gonna do a session. Was that one of them? Yeah, I think that was one of the deals. Yeah, so you could. I think so. Independently make your own, but because right. I knew there were a lot of those, and there were a lot of those in Nashville where you can go in and you want to record, you want to be an album star, a record star. Yeah. Here, give us fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh luck. Yeah. Yeah, no, they'd let you just put something down, whatever. And you'd have people go in there either just by themselves and sing, or they'd bring a full band in there and just jam into the little booth and get your 45 record. And well, isn't yeah. that how Elvis kind of started, singing a song exactly. to his mama? Right. So, yeah. yep. Elvis, Hail, Johnny Hail Cash. Elvis over there. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, too, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah, that, that was, was a blues, tool in the South. Uh, blue Suede Shoes, right? Who originally sang that? Elvis. Well, no, it was... Uh, oh. But yeah, he was part of that whole crowd. That's what you do, man. So, you can either set up in a 7-Eleven by the railroad track, or you can go to a record store and... Or uh, both. Do both. Well, uh, the Lomax brothers, uh, one of them had a quote about it, uh, this song here that we're listening to, and it says, quote, of all my times with the blues, this was the best one. That's a hardcore quote. He really liked that stuff. 1942. That was the best. Lomax returns to the area where he records Eddie one more time. Uh, 1943, Eddie then fades from public view. So basically, he's pretty much out of it. In his 40s. Flying off the radar? Yeah, man. Well, nobody's, I mean, again, record sales were bad, and he's like, nobody's really coming to see me play anymore. He ghosted him. He did. He moves to Rochester, New York. Which just probably helped, Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, helps his whole, like, mystique, right? Like, But he wasn't commercially big here, was he? No. I mean, he wasn't. He was a commercial failure. I mean, yeah. The entire time? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, right. yeah. So far. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, he fades from public view. He moves to Rochester, New York, of all places. He works uh, as a railroad porter and then uh, for Central New York Railroads, and then eventually he works as a chef working on railroads. He's had some real, not odd jobs, none of them on their own are odd, but they're, each job is a million miles away from it. Oh, yeah. He drove a tractor. He was a chef. A musician, a railroad porter, preacher, <laughs> yeah, preacher. preacher. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what he does. Uh, here's some fun stuff. He's got two different stories of how he ended up in Rochester, because you know how wouldn't you end up in Rochester? Um, he did say he's an alcoholic. Story one: He came on track of a woman with the uh, fancy, fancy name of Daisy May Ketchum. Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. Catch them all. Uh, he was having an affair with her, and the second woman he was also having an affair with. Told Eddie's wife, hey, he's having an affair with me and this other lady. And so, couldn't go home. So, Eddie goes up to uh, catch Daisy May, and she's apparently in Rochester. Okay. All right. I like that story the best so far. Yes. There you so go. Far. And then, after a while, uh, his wife comes up there and after he stopped seeing Daisy May. All so right, you ruined it. Never mind. Well, whatever. <laughs> that's how the family gets up there. <laughs> the second story, also less exciting, but probably a better idea of like the economical social pressures back then. Um, Eddie has a quote about it. Here, it's what he says. Eddie says, quote, I just got tired of the mess they're putting on us down there for years and years. And I said, it's time I'm getting out of here. Uh, as old as I'm getting, I'll be dead soon. He was 40. <laughs> Living this stuff the rest of my life. Yeah, well, I know, but like he, 
didn't live long back then. I guess people didn't live as long back in the day, I right? suppose, but still, it was 40. Well, you got the Jim Crow South, and he's like, dude, I, I get, I get, get I'm going to get railroaded heat, Brian, again. Heat. I mean, well, yeah, it's very warm down there. So during a 50 But year... he's doing manual labor jobs. Like, those take a toll on you. That's true, too. I mean, that's hard work. Just like John Henry. Well, he did work in the railroad. John Henry, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he, he was driving building... man. Uh, he... That was the, what he... Um, Building a up... tunnel for a train or something. Well, he went up against the train. He went up against was, a steam shovel. Because it, it was going to take his job. And then... We had to break through a mountain. Yeah, yeah. he was going up against a steam, yeah. steam shovel. It had uh, Babe the Blue Ox. It nailed it. <laughs> I don't know if that's the... We'll go with that. Uh, I'm skipping cards. Basically, uh, he was part of the Great Migration, as we're talking about. Uh, a bunch of African-Americans in the South moved north. He was part of that. Ends up in Rochester, New York. And there was work up here. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. All the factories yeah. and yep. stuff like that. So that's probably more the story than him chasing a girl named Ketchum. And there could be a little bit of truth yeah. from both sides. <laughs> I feel I like mean, there might be Daisy both. May Ketchum? Daisy May. I'm just saying. May or may not catch him. That's a great name. If he was chasing tail... And he had to have another story to cover his ass. <laughs> they have jobs there, honey. I have to go. Uh, I got. I got. I want a job. I got a job. <laughs> like I thought, you didn't like work. No, it's great. I'm getting a job right now. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Not a visual podcast. 1964, uh, after a long search in the Mississippi Delta region by researchers, Eddie is rediscovered in Rochester, New York, working in a train station. You're like, we he didn't go far, so. Rediscovered? Was he singing while he was working? Uh, I don't know. I think they're just looking for him off of the old Library of Congress tapes. Oh, okay. So uh, he'd been retired from music for many years. He was unaware that the '60s had this big folk blues revival music. He's kind of living under a rock, apparently. Well, they they dug him out of obscurity, and uh, everybody internationally too had a huge enthusiasm for like these early blues recordings and stuff. And yeah. Eddie's like, so wait, I'm famous? Is what you're telling me? So I can picture it. He comes back out on stage for his first time after being retired, forcibly being retired because oh. he got kind of failed. Spoilers. And he comes out for the first time with his band, and he has the face like this, just, I'm here. <laughs> I'm so excited. Who was that one rocker for Van Halen that did something just like that? Gary Schroen? <laughs> Nice. No, don't you remember when when uh, what's his name came back out after uh, Van Halen was reuniting with uh, Daily Raw? Daily Raw it was a, it, again, MTV. MTV. It, 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 yeah, and they and got their just, little. And his face was yeah. He couldn't <laughs> believe it was happening. <laughs> I'm back. It didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, they did what? what? Did they do one song off the Twister soundtrack? Human's Bean. <laughs> oh God. And then that was it, wasn't it? That's the best Def Leppard song ever. What has? <laughs> Wow. What's the joke? What has what has seven arms and sucks? <laughs> Def Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let that hang for a minute. <laughs> what was uh, the Bloodhound Gang? The leader. <laughs> the leader from Def Leopard's only got one arm. The drummer from Def Leopard's only got one arm. Well, speaking of internationally famous things, uh, Eddie goes and tours in the U.S. and Europe and records for CBS Records now. So he's welcoming into the music scene in the, in the 1960s. Everybody's loving this new folk revival. He starts playing uh, 1964. He plays hey, wait, wait, the wait. Newport Folk Festival. What? Was that, does that have a lot to do with Dylan? 
Yeah, that, man. Exactly. That, that interest in folk, folk, and, and everything. Yeah, and that Dylan. old blues stuff. You got it. Yeah. Those guys sort of repopularized it, and so they brought any of these surviving old musicians who created it were still around. They brought them around on like, tour. Like mamas and was it mamas and papas? They were yep. folk. Yeah, like. there was a lot of folk then, and some of it was really, really good. Yeah. But a ton of it was terrible. Just like anything. Well, here, we'll get there. July uh, 65, he plays the New York Folk Festival. October 67, he tours Europe again on the American Folk Festival circuit. <laughs> so I have a cousin who has a band. <laughs> cousin? And he, uh, you know, they play around. They play local bars. and they'll Is it play. Johnny? Yeah, yeah. So they'll play, like, cruise ships and things like that. And uh, they were doing a, uh, a folk-themed festival. But it was one of those festivals where they incorporate different things. So it was, they had art and they had folk. And so, uh, folk art. Yeah. Well, he, so, so my cousin Johnny gets up there and he's like, after plays a couple of songs and he's like, I want to thank you guys for coming out to the folk and art festival. <laughs> I see. That's almost like the three tenets of hip hop. Oh, yeah. The, Did they have game? folk dance, folk art, and folk music? Yeah. <laughs> three tenets of uh, hip hop was, was dance, rap, and spray painting on train cars, right? That's correct. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, speaking of folk in the folk circuit, we got this young guitarist, Alan Wilson. If you remember our Canned Heat episode, he's uh, in Canned Heat. Who wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. So uh, he's a big fan of Eddie's. He loves this guy. He's like, man, that's great. And so this producer, John Hammond, he asks Alan Wilson, who was 22 years old, to quote, can you uh, teach Sunhouse how to play like Sunhouse? Because Wilson was had such a good knowledge of blues music and Sunhouse been out of the game for such a long time, needed to bring him back up to speed. So they got this young guy to teach the old guy to play like the young guy learned how to teach from the old guy. So the, he taught the the young guy taught the old guy to play guitar like the old guy used to play when he was a young guy. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. Nailed it. I get that. That's great. There you go. Well, uh, Eddie subsequently records the album Father of the Folk Blues. It's later reissued in a two-CD set, Father of the Delta Blues, the complete 1965 session. So if you want to listen to that, it's out there. Uh, Eddie performs with Canned Heat and, and Alan Wilson live. It can be heard on the Levy Camp Moan on the album John the Revelator, the 1970 London Sessions. So these blues guys get out there and like the live. I just got that on iTunes. There you go. There's a quote from Eddie about it. He says, quote, Sure, I enjoyed the trip, but I want to have finished with all that this and that. I want to get back to Rochester and see if the old lady's still there. Which one? <laughs> catch him. <laughs> and he may catch him. I, I, don't, I agree with Ben. It might be both. He's like, eh. So. He's done with the touring, uh, at least around, around Europe and stuff. He gets back home. March 19th, 1968, he appears in Seattle. It's a concert arranged by the Seattle Folklore Society. The concert was recorded it's issued on cola records as a cd in 2006 if you want to listen to it uh in the summer of 1970 eddie tours europe one more time he has an appearance at the montreux jazz festival uh and a recording of his london concerts is released by liberty records 74 he plays two days the blues festival in toronto dude he's touring the world like he should have done 70, when he was a kid. Uh, the tr oh toronto blues fest never mind what were you thinking there's a Montreal Blues Festival. It's, I guess it's it's huge. huge. Yeah. yeah. I think I can't, it's like a seven-day-long festival. How much? I think you're right. I like going We to should go. That'd be great. Once they let Americans into Canada again, we should all go. <laughs> uh, well, we can't right now, so we're stuck watching TV. Eddie's on TV, goes to the show uh, Camera 3, and he's accompanied by blues guitarist Buddy Guy. That guy, yeah. yeah. I, I like that guy. There you go. That's a good he had, guy. He had a bar in Chicago. Buddy Guy's. That was a lot of fun. It was a dive bar. Yeah. I mean, by our standards, it was a 
but that was the way it was meant to be. And we could walk there from the hotel that we had to stay at. And so we'd go there and <clears throat> any given night, anybody could just show up and start playing. Ooh. And it wasn't like it was a packed place. They had decent food. Always had music going every single night. Yeah, nice. but there were let. I never got to see anybody I knew. Buddy guy was never there. <laughs> but any given night, Clapton might walk in. Really? What? Yeah. Wow. And that was that would happen. I, I've since heard that they've had to relocate the bar, and it's not the same. It's kind of more oh. of a, a touristy thing. But the original Buddy guys in downtown Chicago was, um, and I think part of the nostal- the mystique was that you had to. We walked again. Walked from the hotel. Stumbled. No, well, it ran a, little, a couple times. There was not. A, it, it bordered South Chicago. Oh, it bordered yeah. some. I mean, some of the. All right, I mean, a bunch of white dudes in like penny loafers and khakis are walking downtown Chicago. <laughs> not where you should we're be. We're not on the Miracle Mile, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> we're just we're just going to Sorry, you know Michelle. feel like we're cool at Buddy Guys and eat some barbecue. Oh, uh, but Buddy Guy was he was did he ever do anything really bad? Uh, I don't know. We'll could get you, it. We'll, I'll could look you into teach it. me something about look him? Look into that, Brian, would yeah. you? We'll look into that. Like maybe stole a French fry off a plate or something? I'm sure he did Let's something. Like on, the Bill Murray, have you heard that Bill Murray story? When, uh, speaking of French fries, <laughs> guy was at a restaurant, just some dude, and uh, Bill Murray went up to him and took a French fry off his plate and ate it and just looked at him and said, nobody's ever going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bill Murray's, is he? I want to believe he's known for that shit. There's a the documentary, if you go, I think it's on Crackle. And it's uh, Finding Bill Murray. And it's a documentary on all these stories just like that from the people who have actually experienced Bill Murray, like, firsthand and, like, the things that he's done. I would do that. Oh, it was awesome. If it was, I was awesome. famous. Yeah. <laughs> you do that now and you're not famous. <laughs> he's just eating french fries off people's plates. <laughs> yeah. say. Nobody punches Bill Murray. Everybody punches me. <laughs> well, uh. Now I want french fries. <laughs> you sound good. Nobody's punching Eddie because 1974, he's uh, got some bad health issues going. He's diagnosed later with uh, both Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. With ill health, he retires again. And uh, he moves to Detroit, Michigan. And this is in the 70s? Uh, this is actually in the 1974. Okay. So he, right. he's over here in Detroit, kind of closer to us. Um, he remains here until he dies of cancer of the larynx, passing away October 19th, 1988. Wow. He was 86 years old. He's buried at Mount Hazel Cemetery on Lasher, south of Seven Mile. It's called Lasser. Lasser. I don't, <laughs> I don't go that way. Uh, members of the Detroit Blues Society raised money through a benefit concert to put a monument up on his grave. In 2007, Eddie's honored with a marker on the Mississippi Blues Trail in Tanika, Mississippi. In 2017, his single, Preaching the Blues, is inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in Memphis, Tennessee. And for those counting, he was married five times, five times, five times, five <laughs> times, five times. All right, Booker. Why would you do that? <laughs> He did play with the original Book of Washington also, all around the South, just a side note, which is where Booker T. Washington, pro wrestler, got his name from. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with a quote from Edward James Sunhouse Jr. himself. Quote, don't never follow your first mind, because that's the one that's wrong, because the devil beats God to you every time. Edward James Sunhouse Jr., everybody. What did you guys think of that? I like that little quote at the end. Wasn't that good? Yeah. No, I, it, the devil yeah. beats it. The devil beats, what was it? The uh, devil beats God to you every time. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> about he? that a little bit. Yeah, doesn't he, though? <laughs> I, you're like, yeah, I, th- I think that's happened in my life. 
All right. Well, uh, because we started talking about the devil and God, it's time for us to get some feedback. All right. Jason and I can agree. We That's got to go. We do without that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, right there, we got a comment on our Dana, Danny Bonaducci post on Instagram. Comment from Ellen Ortega. She says, ooh. We had a picture of Danny Bonaducci when he was a kid, and then it fades out in the video to him as an adult, and he's all topless and buff. If you and what? That. And what'd you say again? I'm she's, scared of that dude. He's my Suge Knight, Ben. <laughs> we all got somebody. I'm not fucking with Bonaducci, man. Oh, he'll punch in the I'm, face. You won't even see it coming. But you got Shug, no time to react. Uh, Suge Knight will send people to punch you in the face. Suge Knight versus you, Bonaducci. Who we who you think? Ooh. Well, Suge Knight's special power is to send a bunch of hard hitting motherfuckers to come and yeah, kick your but ass. Yeah, guess what? Bonaducci comes with the hard hitting. He does that ah, shit know, himself. Shug Knight will run you over with his car. I, or drop you off a balcony. That's true. Or just hang you out there just to tell you sign. I mean, there was a Bandit. point in which you were almost getting dropped off. Why did you just beat the shit out of you? That's probably true, too. I don't know. I, I think this is going to go down in the annals of history of which one is uh, better. Maybe some of our listeners could Bonaducci weigh in did. on this. Oh, weigh in. Yeah. What do you guys think? Bonaducci or Shug Knight? But Shug Knight was sending people in to do the dirty work. Yeah, so it's there's Bonaducci cut out the middleman. <laughs> so if you kill Bonaducci, he's done. If you kill all Suge Knight's guys, he's got more dudes. Bonaducci, I watched a, <laughs> I watched a video where he was on some morning show and he was talking about his addictions and everything like that and this drug that he's on that keeps everything at bay, right? Oh god. And it's pretty experimental. And he said that if he were to have a drink, then he would die from it. Alanon? Is that what it is? Well, that's just when you, you drink it makes you want to throw up. <laughs> I think treatment. Suge Knight is I might like, be a little bit extreme, though, with my that story. Maybe well, he wasn't going to die. But. Suge Knight is like Captain Jean-Luc Picard on X-Men. What's his name? Professor, Professor X. X. Yes, he's like Professor X. <laughs> it's like that thing from the Fantastic Four. That the, thing. What's the, that thing's name? The orange thing. Hey, What's you, you two nerds knew how I was talking about. <laughs> It's a three-way. And, and Bonaducci is like the Metallico guy. No. Yes. First Do- of all, it's Dr. Magneto. Doom? Well, I thought you were talking about Dr. Doom. <laughs> Maybe Colossal. <Okay>. Colossus. <laughs> yeah, I know. Peter Rasputin, dude. I know. I was just trying to debate you. But anyway. Okay, so. So wait, is it Picard or Kirk? Which is the better captain on Star Trek? Who, was in, who was in GL Lager? Or Lager? Who was in prison more? Bonaducci? Oh wow! Well, we're not allowed. I'm not allowed to research Suge Knight out of fear yeah, no, of repercussions, I, so I don't no, look into it. Suge comes at me. I'm calling Bonaducci. Problem solved. I mean, there's. <laughs> I assume there's some Detroit rappers that he. Suge I'm just Knight saying, Jason is in. Bonaducci. He lit up like a Christmas tree for this conversation. We should. I'm gonna crunch some numbers, and then next time we're gonna revisit this. Let's table it for now. Or, table no, for now. Table it for I, now. Pause. Honestly, I think we have a solution. We can figure this out. So when sports people start getting really mad about my team can beat your team, my football team's better than your well, my team football catch team, you can just go play like Madden uh, 2021. Okay. Let's play Bonaducci versus Suge Knight on Mortal Kombat. I think they're characters, aren't they? Can you? I we'll, think so. We'll program them in there if they're Let's not. program them in there. Can yeah. we get an EA Sports and get them on there? Bonaducci doesn't kick Sub-Zero's ass. <laughs> I was thinking we should get Danny Bonaducci to protect us from Suge Knight. Is kind of what I was thinking. Dude. We're just going to be collateral damage, have, though. He hears we have Bonaducci as our muscle. He's not a threat. I think me. it might be a second thought. That's well, for sure. But I think he'll they'll they'll fight, and there's not going to be any winner. 
and we're going to be collateral damage. We're going to be like New York City in Avengers 2. <laughs> or whatever that was. Those with, guys were pissed, too, about that. With the little metal worms that came through the sky. The that was the first one, dude. The space slugs. Yeah, man. Yeah. Listen, when you watch them all in one weekend, it's just there's one Avengers. <laughs> but uh, look, just look. Okay. Suge Knight's got mass. I'll give you that. We're doing the physics of it now. But Bonaducci, he's got the muscle. Bonaducci took down Jose Canseco, who's yeah. like 6'4 and a steroid. And user. Screech. Dustin Diamond. That's true. All right. Well, I, I, the Canseco and, thing, I don't, whatever. Easy peasy. Screech. <laughs> all right. You got one point. That's He'll one stab point. You. One point. He'll stab <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, he will. Well, Screech, you know. Right? Yeah. 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 He's yeah. made his name in the adult industry. Crime and porn. Yeah, yeah. crime and porn. <laughs> Screech Copyright. is our first guy. That's our first Copyright. guy. Right. Right. Well, all right. Uh, wow. Uh, since we're talking about people from the old days, uh, we got a speak pipe, and I happen to know it's from somebody from the old days. Is it Danny Bonaducci? It is. Oh. And more. Here we go. Our uh. speak pipe from Superfan Michelle. Hey, you guys. It's Michelle. I just wanted to let you know that in a time where our country is so divided, so polarized, I just want to commend you two for um, There's three of us. kind of bringing Karen, the one who loves the Burks and the Belches, <laughs> and I together in a way um, to appease us both. Um, I appreciate you you guys both uh, helping her celebrate the burps because of her fond memories of her sister, I think. And then, you know, helping me out with the, sorry, Michelle's. Um, you guys are really, really doing something right for the world. Uh, hopefully we'll talk to you guys. Oh, she got cut off. Hey, you guys, it's Michelle again. All right, we well, can listen to it. That's cool. Um, Brian, although I do appreciate hearing your high school band, um, it's kind of fun. Oh no. I do miss the little ditties that you used to do. Was it using a keyboard? Um, the Casio songs that you would compose to What's go ditties, in and right? out of breaks and whatnot. I the miss itty bitty ditties. <laughs> itty bitty ditty committee. Oh, that's the end of Michelle. Super fan Michelle, everybody. Hey! Woo! Uh, so if you'd like to leave your own speak pipe, go to our website, crimetomusic.com, and you can tell us what you think about burps or itty-bitty ditties or uh, big old ditties, like whatever the, your ditty size preference is. P. Diddy. Master your P. Uh, and that's it for there. Um, if you'd like to leave a review, that would do it. Go to wherever you uh, leave reviews for podcasts, wherever you're listening to. Go to crimeandmusic.com. Leave a speak pipe, like I said, or message us on all the social medias at Crime and Music. We love hearing from you guys. Thank you for listening. And, uh, Did you tell about your OnlyFans page, Brian? We're going to get him out of here. It's not me. It's more of an extension of uh, Aaron Carter. Yeah, so what? <laughs> <laughs> what, the OnlyFans page? I don't have an OnlyFans page. <laughs> yes, and? Who is <laughs> <laughs> that one chick that used to do the, uh, the Twitch? And now she's basically just a porn star. Twitch? Twitter. Twitch. No, Twitch where they play video uh, games. Tila. Something tequila. Tia Tequila. Tia Tequila. Yeah, she's tequila. Well, there's a way younger girl. Kim And she got booted off YouTube. Oh. um, And she does like... All right, let's not get it. She's seen that Friday song? I'll show you the videos here in a minute. Well, whatever you do, guys, if you're looking at her, never trust a big butt and a smile. What, what, what? What, what, what now? Yeah, check out this video. Hold on, I'll find it.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 